Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumb Cast. In this, the high noon of season five, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every goddamn page of MT2, the Weird Weird West, the second in a trio of time travel adventures for TSR's Marvel Superheroes RPG. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Weird Weird West was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 30 of The Weird Weird West. Today contains chapter 14, entitled Uncle Albert, in which, having just defeated the Hobart gang in, like, probably one turn, a disrespectful amount of time, given the intricacy of their stat blocks, our new friends Kid Colt, Rawhide Kid, and Two-Gun Kid, plus Big White Turd, the Phantom Rider, lead us to the shack where they have been protecting Albert Einstein, whom they believe to be doing important work, even though they are from the 1870s and have never heard of Albert Einstein. I guess he just looks like a guy who would have an idea that would bail you out of time shenanigans. Here's the box text. Quote, Accompanied by Kid Colt and his friends, you approach a small shack nestled in a quiet green valley. An oddly accented voice can be heard from inside. Now I have it. This should give me some clue to the nature of what we are up against. Now, I am pronouncing the text phonetically as it appears on the page. That second sentence begins with the word this, Z-I-S, this. So forgive me for the accent, my hands are tied. Anyway, if you follow the sound of a German accent being hideously mangled, you will find inside the shack Albert Einstein. He's talking to himself, he's at this machinery, he's doing the absent-minded scientist bit. Your new cowboy friends introduce you to Einstein, and he tells you everything he knows about what's going on. Quote, Number one, somehow, everyone and everything in the region has been displaced in time, not removed from the time stream altogether. Einstein explains to the heroes that time cannot be destroyed, only moved or manipulated. Number two, what he has seen so far leads Einstein to theorize that there is some sort of temporal magnet in this time period that is drawing the people and places from other eras. Einstein is currently attempting to build a machine to pinpoint the location of this magnet, but he has found that he cannot generate enough energy to power the device with the items he has on hand. Yes, that is the sound of a fetch quest whizzing inescapably toward you, but it's not that involved. There are two options. Quote, the heroes might be able to help. They have probably seen the generator that was stored back in the Crozar research shack. If they describe it to Einstein, he will inform them that it should provide enough power to allow this device to function properly. Anyone who passes an excellent intensity reason feat will also realize that the hero's time ship features a similar generator. The heroes were working with the generator in chapter one. So, two options. You can go back and get that goddamn generator that you were trying to fix with the logic puzzle that you did back at the time ship and then bring that to Einstein so he can finish his gadget. Or... You may remember that there was a neutron flux power generator that you very explicitly noticed for no good reason in storage in the Crozar Research Shack, and you may go back there to get that. Or, when you heard the GM emphasize the words neutron flux power generator, you may have just decided to pick that thing up and carry it until it inevitably became important, and in that case, you just hand it over to Einstein, and he's like, what is this? Where did you get this? And you're like, well, it had a name, so I knew someone would need it at some point. Good thing for you, I'm a metagaming bastard. I saved everybody a lot of time. So whether or not you need to go get MacGuffin A or MacGuffin B for Einstein, you definitely have other things on the docket. You've still got to get to Alexander, Genghis Khan, and Napoleon. Quote, At this point, the heroes should see that they might have some problems accomplishing everything in time. Getting around to the camps of Napoleon, Genghis, and Alexander, and getting the generator before the Crows are assault begins is going to be very difficult. This is where the Western heroes come into the picture. Once the heroes explain what is going on, their Western counterparts will be happy to help out in any way. The heroes now have enough forces to split up and send separate teams out after their goals. 
Once the heroes have split up, the players of characters not present in the chapter currently played can take on the roles of any Western heroes that are there. For example, if the players send one group of mixed Western heroes and player characters out to Alexander's camp while everyone else leaves for Genghis Khan's camp, play through the first group's encounters. The players whose characters are in the second group take on the roles of the Western heroes present. After you have finished with the first group, etc. The author seems to think this is a very complicated concept, but it's really not. It's the same thing we did with the invaders back in all this in World War II, uh, with one important difference. The invaders, especially in a conflict against Nazis and Golden Age supervillains, are roughly in the same league as the West Coast Avengers. The gunslingers definitely are not. So while I still like this conceptually, this kind of Kingdom Hearts idea of picking up heroes native to this subgenre and sort of having them as guest members in the player character group, in execution, this is much weaker and I think is going to lead to some very frustrated players and possibly some combat mishaps. Because here's the thing. The gunslingers, they're all just gunslingers. Like, none of them have superpowers. You know, there are slight variations among them. We're going to get to their stat blocks much later, but they're just people with guns. And that is not the level of do-gooder that this system is really meant to capture. So they end up pretty samey and pretty weak on the superhero scale. Speaking of scales, those are going to be a problem. The Crozar, the rubber monster menace, continues throughout this adventure. Crozar have typical body armor because of their thick rubbery skin. All of our gunslinger heroes use six shooters, which do somewhere between six and eight points of damage, which means that any given one of these gunslingers can do between zero and two points of damage to a Crozar by shooting them. Ditto the giant dinosaurs, by the way. And uh, Alexander's troops are armored, too. These piddly six shooters, they're like a little bit better than the laser pistols that the Crozar carry, but the Crozar are shooting at non-rubber monkey people, which is to say human beings, and non-rubber monkey people don't have any body armor. Crows are due, and these six shooters are going to be almost ineffectual against them. And there aren't really any stats to make up for this. Like, all of the gunslingers have some little something to set them apart, with one exception, which we'll talk about later. But it, again, it's on such a small scale that compared to the superheroes and the antagonists in this adventure, it's just, it's just nothing. Notably, Phantom Rider... And I mean, I'm all for anything that contributes to getting Phantom Rider killed, but I, I have to speak out in the name of game balance here. Phantom Rider is almost strictly inferior to like an FBI agent mook from the judge's guide. The only way in which he's better than an FBI agent is that his psyche is one rank higher and he gets a plus one to initiative. But this game has group initiative. So like that's a minor contribution to the team. But it's, it's almost nothing. It's as close to nothing as you can have. So other than that one rank of Psyche, you'd rather have any random nameless FBI agent than the Phantom Rider, who is supposed to be this, you know, big menacing ghostly thing. I mean, Phantom Rider has martial arts B and FBI agents don't, but all that does is add one column to your damage. And the FBI agent is one column stronger than Phantom Rider to begin with. So the Phantom Rider's mastery of boxing or whatever barely enables him to punch as hard as a regular FBI agent. Once again, as back in all this in World War II, we've got a problem with mooks here being stronger than superheroes, only this time it's not really the mooks' fault. It's the superheroes' fault. Phantom Rider is nobody. He is a man with a gun and a big fancy white outfit and a troubling history and nothing else going on. And believe me when I say that the others are not much better. And this problem is compounded by the fact that, like, guns have certain inherent advantages. Notably, 
as long as the damage of your weapon at least ties the body armor of a target. So like, even if your six shooter does six damage and you shoot somebody who's got six body armor, you may do zero damage, but you can still affect the target with slams, stuns, or in the case of shooting weapons, kills. So shooting attacks are great for killing people. What they're not good at is not killing people. I quote from the Advanced Player's Book, quote, A character making a shooting attack may score a miss, hit, bullseye, or kill result. A shooting attack may never be reduced by the attacker in effect or damage. If you miss, you miss. If you roll a green result, a hit, then you hit and do damage. If you score a bullseye, you do normal damage, and also if you are aiming for a specific body part or a very small target of another kind, then you hit that specific target to whatever effect the judge deems appropriate. And if you roll a red result, your target has to roll endurance or die. These gunslingers are typically shooting with an aim of about remarkable, which means each shot has a 5% chance of forcing the target to save or die, essentially. Now, that may seem like a good thing, since your bullets aren't worth a damn unless they force the target to save or die, in many cases. The bad news is, in this game, it's a superhero game. It has superhero morality. If you kill someone, you lose all your karma. And you can't not kill someone when you're shooting a gun. You cannot voluntarily downgrade the effect. So the better you are with a gun, the higher the odds you're going to kill somebody with it, even if you're specifically trying not to kill them. So not only are gunslingers decidedly below superheroes in power level, but they're not going to be able to make up for it with karma expenditures, because 5% of the time when they shoot somebody, instead of doing nothing, they're going to kill them outright and lose all their karma. So the dumbest thing on this page is that while it's a good idea to get some cowboys in the mix, it is good to have a continuous cowboy presence in an adventure that is going to just drift farther and farther away from the Old West action we were promised. The execution just was not there. I think maybe the players should have played the gunslingers, like maybe rescuing the heroes from one of those unavoidable knockout traps that the author loves to spring. You know, that would have been a nice break. For one session of this adventure, we play the gunslingers and we go, you know, defeat the supervillain who's kind of way above our pay grade. And then we free the superheroes so they can resume their adventure or something like that. A mixed group of gunslingers and superheroes is going to be extremely lopsided. I mean, Hawkeye seriously overpowers all these gunslingers. That's got to be embarrassing for like the first, second, and third fastest guns in the West to be so thoroughly overshadowed, not just by a superhero, but by like a guy with a bow. If anyone should be lower than you on the pecking order, it's the guy with the bow. But no, even Hawkeye is going to be lording it over these gunslingers. In fact, he's better with a gun than they are. Uh, we'll talk about it later, but... Yeah, just just does not work. Nothing against any of these gunslingers, especially Rawhide Kid. It's going to be great to have him along. It's going to be fun. I'd probably go ahead and just bite the bullet and play Rawhide Kid, despite the fact that he's going to be totally out of his league with any of these superhero teams. But design-wise, I can't get behind it. Anyway, we have no choice. We got to take these gunslingers with us because we need two teams to cover all the distance we need to cover in the time that we have. Yes, this does mean that we get double the resource management fun as we divide into two teams that both have to do water rationing, speed measuring, roll for weather conditions, all the way to their destinations across the Overland map. Like it or not, we're all headed out there with cowboy allies along for the ride. But our various super teams that we're following are all off to different destinations. Now, the secret zoomers never saw much or anything inside the research shack, so they've definitely got to go back to the timeship. The Misfits, if they're savvy, which they are, will have already picked up the Neutron Flux power generator when they were wandering around totally unhindered in the research shack back at the camp. Logically, Ford's Furies would pretty much have to go back to the timeship, too. Uh, they didn't have a lot of time on their hands, what with the giant Crozar fight and everything. 
I mean, they got beaten down in the research shack. They definitely never had an opportunity to wander around in the halls. They wouldn't know about the neutron flux power generator, but we have to cover it for the show. So I'm going to say that since Iron Blood has a knack for electronics and incredible reason due to his blood's high iron content, he's able to deduce that if they're running a mind probe in the research shack, they must have power generation capabilities sufficient for Einstein's needs. So Ford's theories in service of the podcast format will venture back to the Crozar camp. Godspeed, men, women, wolf cubs, ears. Meanwhile, the secret Zoomers will go back to the timeship to get their own timeship's generator to lend to Einstein. The Misfits, having no further errands to run for Einstein, are going to split up with their newfound gunslinger allies right away and head off to talk to these generals. So we'll see them next when we visit the camp of Genghis Khan. It won't be long. There's not much to these little mini fetch quests, if all goes well. Join me next time to find out what happens if things don't go well on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's theme music, used under Creative Commons license, is Western Firefight 2 by Kula, whose work you can find at Kula.com. That's C-U-L-L-A-H dot com. Thanks for listening.